0: Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters Weekly Podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is April 21st, 2023. I'm your host, Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. As a fun fact, tomorrow is National Record Store Day, so if you are a music fan and or a classic vinyl fan, get out to your favorite store and be a good patron and see what you can find in terms of any classic metal, classic rock, classic pop, whatever you have in terms of your favorite musing genre. And with me today, we've got a classic group of investment experts here to join us to give us their read on this week's market activity. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on Key.com slash Wealth Insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different topics, in addition to our Key Questions article series, which we release every single Wednesday for our investors. In addition, if you have any questions, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic activity, the calendar was fairly light. We had unemployment claims that remained steady from the prior week. We had leading economic indicators that showed declines in March which has been a consistent theme over the past three to six months and we see that the Federal Reserve's report on the overall economic activity within the country as indicated by their beige book report remained fairly steady where we saw nine districts out of 12 reported minimal or slight change in economic activity and three of the districts noted modest growth in addition several districts did in fact report that there was tightening lending conditions with respect to what happened in the overall banking industry from March that led to uncertainty around liquidity, but overall, it's not derailing the economy. With that, we also have Speaker McCarthy talking a little bit more about the debt ceiling this week, which we'll touch upon later on in the podcast. But first, we will turn to Steve for your thoughts, Steve, on what's happening in the overall stock market this week as it relates to what's happening with earnings that we saw come out and what's the overall picture from your perspective. Steve?
1: Well, clearly we're off to, the, to a decent start with uh, earnings season. You know, 19% of the S&P 500 is now reported. Um, Those earnings are beating expectations by 5.6%. That means 73% of companies have topped expectations. If you go back and look at the numbers, this is actually the best start to an earnings season since first quarter of 2022. Um, Although I would temper that a little bit and say that uh, EPS itself is on pace for a 1.4% decline if you assume that beat rate through the rest of the season. So what that tells me is that earnings estimates had been marked down so far that the bar was lowered, that the, all companies are having to do is just basically step over the bar because it's on the ground. Um, you know, so what's been interesting for me is I always say I watch the reaction to the stocks um, and how do stocks behave when companies have double beats, meaning they beat on both revenue and EPS. Um, and have double misses. And when you get that spread between double beats and double misses, it gives you information on on how the market's positioned and which way do we want to go. If companies are beating on both right now, they're going up 2.3% on average. Uh, The five-year average is a 1% move. Um, Double misses are down 1.8% on average over the two-day window for earnings reporting versus a minus 0.2.9% average over five years. So what that tells you is that people really have a a positive spin on whatever's coming out of companies this quarter because whether you beat or you miss, you're outperforming relative to average. Um, and fact the fact is you're outperforming by roughly about a hundred basis points either way. So um, I, I think that we came into to earnings again with a, a scenario where where you really had you were really going to have to do really poorly in order not to have a, a fairly decent reaction from, from investors. Uh, we've continued to see volatility collapse this week. Um, again, made a, made a new low. Hasn't been this low since January 2022. The market was at 4,800 the last time volatility was at this level. That's 600 points higher than where we're at right now in the S&P. Um, and, and, you know, when you take a look at trend, we continue to make yet another uh, 20-day high here this week. So. Uh, market continues to look strong, and then I look at my tape this morning, and I see uh, home builders uh, breaking out once again to to not only just new highs on an absolute basis, but new multi year highs on a relative basis. So, you know, it's it's again counter to maybe what the 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 narrative is in the press with all the talk about banking this and you know debt ceiling that. But um, at the end of the day, this market really just looks like it wants to go higher.
2: Steve, help me square that circle a little bit. I mean, you talked about the fact that volatility is so low, and uh, we could talk about the bond market volatility in a second when we get Rajiv's thoughts. But equity market volatility, as you mentioned, is really plummeted. And uh, in the face of it, you've got earnings not doing so great. I mean, I guess, as you said, the bar is on the ground, so it's hard not to step over that bar that's already playing flat on the ground. But you, you've got a lot of other cross crosscards there, and I think the debt ceiling is starting to get, uh, get some attention again You've got other geopolitical considerations. You've got a slowing economy, not a stalling out economy, but a slowing one. How do you how do you kind of reconcile the fact that volatility is so low, valuations are so high, and uncertainty is so abundant?
1: Well, it just seems to me that the really really the market volatility has been transferred over to Rajiv's realm in fixed income because the moves in the fixed income markets, you know, have, have I hate to use the word unprecedented, but man, they've been unprecedented here so far this this year. The just the volatility has been um, off the charts. And, you know, it, the the economy just continues to confound people. I mean, we got the, the s and preliminary PMIs this morning, and they came in two points better than expected. You know, and so you've got, um, for, for again, for everybody who thinks that the economy's slowing down, you get data points that are pointing the other direction. Um, it just seems like uh, we, we continue to have, uh, as you said, these cross-currents, Equity market investors, though, are continuing to just power the market higher because they don't see anything that is going to get in the way of what they view as the, the Fed likely being done and heading toward, toward some kind of pivot. Um, and you know that, that is what people are focused on. The Fed is going to be not uh, in the game in terms of uh, being adversarial toward the market. We've had an adversarial Fed for, for running on 18 months now.
2: So it seems like we've got this raging debate right now in the market with respect to the level of things and the rate of change of things, where the level is uh, is somewhat high, but the rate of change looks kind of worrisome. You talked about housing, Steve, and some of the fact that uh, the strength of the equity market has been um, pronounced in some sectors, such as housing. The home builders, I think you just referenced, for example, housing actually is interesting. There's a big story in the in the press the other day that talked about home prices have fallen at the fastest rate, but at the same time, I think they actually rose to fastest rate just 12 months prior. So I think COVID is still really doing a lot of distortion into the overall economic picture because, again, numbers look really high a year ago, look low, low today, rather, but I think that the overall level is still pretty, pretty high. I mean, you can say they make, make the same argument with respect to the employment situation, right? Jobs are still um, pretty plentiful right now. Some of the claims data that was out suggest that maybe there's some softening there in the labor market, but there's also some potential distortions there too. I read, for example, that many people that actually are on spring break, teachers who are on spring break actually can file unemployment insurance, which actually maybe artificially boosted that that number up for a week or two, and then they drop back down. So. I don't know. I think there, there's a lot of confusing kind of cross signals in the, the economy you mentioned. You know, and at the same time, you've got the manufacturing sector uh, showing maybe some some softening there, too. But the services sector is really quite strong. And more recently, China kind of caught a bit. I mean, I know that's kind of a, a bad word for some people, but but China's actually showing some signs of strength and kind of a revival of their economy, whereas things are slowing here in the U.S. So my playbook is kind of, again, the economy is slowing, um, but it's still growing. Inflation is cooling, but it's not completely cooled. And I think the Fed is still tightening, um, but maybe pausing. I don't think a pivot is still really at hand. But maybe, Rajiv, given all these uncertainties, given some of the volatility that's been more concentrated in the fixed income market, what do you think the Fed is thinking now? What do you think they they will do next month? What should they do next month? Um, And then we could talk more about even the banking situation, because that, that also is still kind of lurking beneath the surface a little bit potentially. So what are your thoughts, Rajiv?
3: Oh, you're absolutely right there, George. I mean, uh, we've we've heard a lot of Fed speak this week. We had uh, Governor Waller come out. Cleveland's Mester came out. uh, We had Dallas's Logan come out. uh, We have New York's John Williams come out. All these Fed members are coming out. And uh, some of the key takeaways that I got from their comments, um, they kind of all follow a very similar theme. Uh, They say although the banking sector is stabilized, I think the, the, the point is that the recent stress makes it may lead to credit conditions becoming tighter. And in fact, Cleveland's master came out and said, yes, we support another rate hike. Uh, but again, we have to look at the bank stresses. We have to see the impact on t- tighter credit. So that is basically the theme from the Fed right now is that we do need to move. We do need to move next, next month. I think the consensus continues to be a 25 base point rate hike uh, for the May meeting. Uh, there will probably be a lot of language uh, when we eventually get those Fed minutes where they'll talk about uh, uh, tighter uh, credit conditions, the impact of that on the economy. Uh, but really, I think the Fed continues to propagate the notion that they need to do another rate hike, maybe another one in June too, depending on the data, and remain in restrictive territory, but with caution. And that's the key there. They'll remain restrictive with caution. So as far as a pause or a pivot goes, I think we're in the camp right now that the Fed will continue to maybe do another 25 basis points, maybe one more in June, and then remain elevated for the rest of the year, unlike what the market is uh, anticipating. And the market's anticipating that something's gonna break and the Fed will have to react by cutting rates. So that disconnect does lead to more volatility. Uh, We do see that volatility in some some areas that we look at, for instance, the move index, which is uh, what we use in fixed income, which basically is the yield curve weighted index on an implied volatility on a one month treasury option. And uh, what I'm trying to say here is when we had the banking crisis that started up, that index went to 198 or so, very close to 200. Uh, uh, That index has actually shown that move come down, no pun intended, to 120, but remains elevated on Fed speak. Uh, Every time we hear Fed members come out and say inflation is too high, we do see the volatility in the move index. But these comments of the Fed and the index that you look at really the impact we need to look at is the yield curve. And we continue to see elevated uh, levels in the front end of the yield curve, which shows that uh, the yield curve is pretty much thinking that the the Fed is not done yet. They're going to continue to raise rates until they bring inflation down. And you see that elevation, particularly in the front end, which is the most sensitive to, to uh, monetary policy. So if you look at the three-month Treasury bill, that remains the place to be. Uh, they have the yields that are high, a little over 5%. Those are the highest yields that you're finding on the yield curve. And overall, Treasury yields have been in this tight range over the last couple of weeks. And if you look at the overall bond market, they're, they're saying something different, something along the lines of what Steve was saying as well. The overall bond market, and specifically credit spreads, we do not see them reflecting these risks that are currently in the market. There's two risks that... Uh, it almost seems that like credit spreads are not really paying a lot of attention to. One is the possibility of a credit crunch, and the other one is the possibility of weaker labor markets. Uh, if you look at investment grade, if you look at high yield credit spreads, if you look at ETF flows, if you look at leveraged loans, bond investors continue to feel comfortable in this in spread product. And uh, we continue to advocate the up in quality trade in anticipation of something happening, whether it be a recessionary scenario or spreads moving way wider than we are right now. We continue to advocate for liquid securities, and we continue to find uh, opportunity in the front end of the yield curve, which remains attractive on a yield basis.
0: So one other question to close the podcast for today is we're now hearing more talk, including talk from Speaker of the House McCarthy, on the debt ceiling becoming a more bigger issue as we talk it through the year. So George, Steve, any thoughts that you have in terms of the debt ceiling and how it might be affecting markets these days?
2: Well, Steve, I think you've got kind of a front row seat in terms of things that you've been paying attention to in the market. So maybe you could uh, take that one first and then I can chime in a little bit if you don't mind.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it really started to jump onto my screen this week because when you take a look at U.S. credit default swaps, um, which are, you know, kind of esoteric derivative securities, which price the risk of a default by the U.S. as a sovereign, um, We've seen one-year forward U.S. credit default swaps blow out to levels that are beyond the levels that we saw both during the, the most recent um, default worry scenario that we had back in 2015-16 um, and the levels seen in the global financial crisis back in 2008-2009. In um, the, the fact that the market is um, this concerned about this uh, should should give investors pause because it it really is we're, we really are pricing in uh, a higher potential for there to be a um to for there to be problems surrounding this um, and and I think it goes directly to you know some of what uh, a lot of people in in the financial markets view is is dysfunction in Washington because they can't they can't even seem to be able to to put proposals on the table um, if you don't have proposals on the table you're not gonna be able to have any agreement. And the other thing is too, you know, when you take a look at tax receipts this week, uh, tax receipts have been coming in way below expectations. So they had been thinking that this debt ceiling issue was gonna be a September issue. It moved up to a July issue. Don't be surprised if given receipts over the next three or four days, have people start to talk about this being a June issue. Um, and again, I think that's part of what the market is seeing and why they're pricing credit default swaps as is, is aggressively as they are, because now we've lost three months worth of negotiating time, and they still don't have any proposals on the table.
2: They they might not, and I guess uh, I'll probably take the other side of that. I mean, I, I, I could always be wrong, but I'm hopeful that what we've seen in the past when these moments happen that maybe we we. We tip over the cliff, but at the very last second before we hit the ground, uh, we get rescued by our, our, our shirt collar. So maybe not the best metaphor, um, but I would suggest that, again, that when we've seen these happen before, th- these are man-made crises, right, or, or person-made crises. This is not an economic event by itself. This is a political event. And so when those things do happen, markets don't like the uncertainty you pointed out, Steve, and you're seeing some evidence of that in the markets, but ultimately, the markets seem to reprice higher once they have those issues resolved. Again, it could kind of take it to the 11th plus hour before we have that uh, that moment, Brian. But ultimately, I, I think cooler heads will prevail at some point, point. Uh, and maybe the markets will force them to kind of get to the table and negotiate if if, if that happens. So I would suggest that this is not a, a time essentially abandon risk. If anything, I would probably just you know strap your seatbelt a little bit tighter. Um, maybe even think about being opportunistic about this. Maybe there's an opportunity that presents itself if something, uh, as Steve mentioned, might happen this time versus last. But still, I think these are short-term events, and we have to kind of treat them as such until, uh, until proven otherwise. So with that, I'd say stay calm, and uh, and we'll stay abreast of the situation as always.
0: Well, thanks for the robust conversation today, George, Steve, and Ruggie, We appreciate your insights, and thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success.
4: The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private banks, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by KeyBank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key private bank and KeyBank Institutional Advisors are part of KeyBank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through KeyCorp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with KeyBank. Investments and in insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. eBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax related investment decision. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.